0: Hello, and welcome to Discovering Dementia. I'm Penny Bell, and this podcast started after my mum was diagnosed with dementia. I wanted to know more about it, and I've been sharing stories ever since. One episode seems to lead to the next, and this time we'll be hearing from another familiar voice.
1: I don't know about
2: you, but what have we done today? Twenty-five miles. I've done twenty-two.
0: There He's was a time where ten miles
2: was a lot, and now twenty-five miles really doesn't seem well hardly worth getting on the bike for. Really doesn't. <laughs> uh, we have to go home. We do, but you know, yeah. But it's it's just nice to get out, cycle, leave my dementia at home, be myself, and
0: yeah, it's just great. The simplicity of a bike. You might remember Peter Berry from episode four of this season of Discovering Dementia. Peter lives with young-onset Alzheimer's. He was diagnosed five years ago at the age of 50. He's now raised thousands of pounds for dementia charities by cycling hundreds of miles in his quest to show that life is always worth living. By his side, for many of his adventures, has been his new friend and cycling companion, Deb Bunt. After a chance meeting in a Suffolk bike shop, she's witnessed first-hand Peter's determination and positivity and it's caused her to reflect on how she views her own life. Now the pair have written a book, Slow Puncture, about their first year of friendship and cycling together. It's, um, it's
3: Wednesday and it was meant to be sunny but, but it's not. And um, somebody, not me, had the bright idea of cycling forty fifty maybe sixty miles today I'm about to leave the house. I think I've talked Peter down into a good compromise um, of forty miles um, with the proviso that he makes sure it doesn't rain. I think that's pretty reasonable
2: see that can be undone and moved that way a bit let me see. i don 't know if do you just hold that for a minute which. Way? Well, that one's right in, you see, the same.
3: Well, that one came off the other day and you had to screw it up.
2: Now, if I move that out a little bit, then that means that your foot will be in a little different place. Yeah, so yeah. hopefully that will be a little bit more, oopsy comfortable.
3: Now. I hope so, because I'm really conscious of
2: a funny
0: sticky-outy foot.
2: Yeah, that don't look quite right from uh, behind.
0: Tell me about that first meeting with Peter. It was really a one-off and it is in
3: the book, so hopefully um, I won't give anything away i just moved up to the area, I went to the cycling shop, just wanting to talk to another human being, apart from my husband, and the lady who owned the shop was telling me about this man, Peter, who has cycled across the country, and I said, yeah, yeah, whatever, or something like that, and she said, oh, but he's got dementia, and I said, oh, well, I need to meet him then, and then he was there, and I was slightly embarrassed, but being Peter, he didn't make me feel embarrassed, and that's literally how it began, because we live in a small town, And you do see the people over and over again if you hang out in the same places. So it was nothing more than I went into the bike shop and Peter was there.
0: And what were your first impressions of him? I
3: thought he looked like, well, can I do air quotes? Like a a normal guy about my age, quite fit looking, slim, very eloquent, very articulate, very friendly. I had no idea that he wouldn't have remembered meeting me barely a minute later.
0: And is that what happened? Yeah,
3: it, it was. And again... This is in the book, but um, we, had, we had a small chat in the shop and he said, you know, if I was new to the area, he could take me out around Suffolk on the bike. And I said, oh, that would be good. Said goodbye, walked round town, saw him again. And he had no recollection that we'd met. But he hid it. But there was that moment in his eyes when I knew he hadn't remembered me. And it, it kind of dawned on me, wow, it was like two minutes ago we were chatting and now he
0: hasn't got a clue who I am. Did you know much about dementia before meeting Peter? No, I
3: thought it was an old person's illness. Uh, My grandmother had it. I knew nothing about it, other than maybe people had mood changes or became abusive. And that was based on my grandma. I I knew nothing else.
0: And how did you begin cycling together? There is a
3: small group in London where we live, uh, that goes out on a Sunday. And I think at that time, Peter was still cycling in groups and We met again then, and then we did our own thing. So as his comfort level at cycling in a group diminished, our friendship grew, so we just used to go out together. I realised he was more comfortable with it, and he started to talk to me about stuff, dementia-related stuff. And it was easier just with two people as opposed to a, a smaller group. So usually the two days of the week I wasn't working, which were Thursdays and Fridays, we'd go
0: out together. Did you find it difficult to talk to him in those early stages while you were trying to understand what dementia was like?
3: I didn't find it difficult to talk to him because
0: he's, he's very
3: friendly and open. I think I I didn't realise how bad his memory was and I was keen to show what, what a good listener I am. So he would tell me things and I kind of wanted him to know that I'd heard, but he didn't remember he told me. And I think it took a few weeks for me to realise he really doesn't remember what the conversation had been about or anything about me. It was a quite a long period to adapt to the fact that his memory was maybe two or three minutes top,
0: And he's quite profound in the things that he says.
3: I think that's what astonished me as well. And I I kind of wrote them down. I've actually got quite a good long-term memory, so I could remember what he said, which worked quite well. And that profundity moved me. Because nobody knows what it's like to stand in somebody else's shoes and live with that condition. But his descriptions and his thoughts about it were so... To me, they felt really profound and I'm glad that you agree because I didn't know whether I was being a bit kind of myopic about it, but it's, I think other people do think he is quite profound and eloquent.
1: I think I said something to her like, whatever I say is, is written in sand and the tide of dementia washes it away. I, I think I said something along those lines. So what she does is turns it into stone, if that makes sense. And she started just jotting these things down randomly, and then somebody said to her, you know, you should write a book about it.
2: <laughs> the sound of Earl Grey tea being poured at Wickermarket railway station on one of our many cycle stops. Just
3: just to clarify what that actually was. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know that stopping along the way for cake seems to be quite a big part of your cycle rides. <laughs> hmm, I thought I'd hidden that quite
3: well. Uh, yeah, I think generally that's what people who cycle do, although I didn't know that. But with Peter, it was a really good opportunity for him to talk and for me to listen to his stories. And, and as the friendship grew, he's got a little bit more of a brutal honesty about what it's like to live with dementia. So cake... Important for me and important for Peter, I would remember what we'd eat, and Peter wouldn't, but cake stop, I think, was for Peter to reflect,:
0: Yes, he has a way of sort of capturing the moment,
3: totally, and, and the tragedy is, and he forgets sometimes he, he would send me a message when he's feeling a little bit low in the evening of his sort of thoughts and his poetry, and I write them down for him, and I might leave them back to him the next day, and he said, "God, oh, did I say that? That was pretty good, isn't it, And he has no recollection of what he says which is staggering. And and I think people don't realise the full extent of that. Obviously, Teresa does much more than I do, but he hides it so well that you wouldn't know.
0: We met Teresa in, in the podcast as well, so Teresa's Peter's wife, and you've spent quite a lot of time with both Peter and Teresa. How does she cope with all the challenges, and how has your friendship helped her?
3: I think the friendship has helped her because... When Peter and I first started going out for cycling, she was working. So I think she took comfort in the fact he wasn't alone at home, being sort of miserable, and he wasn't out alone. So I think that was a source of relief to her. That Pete, because when Peter's out cycling, Peter's happy. So that that was a relief. And I think I think it's helped her a little bit in that I, my understanding has grown, so she can maybe share some of her frustrations or fears but you know maybe just having somebody else who has a tiny peek around the curtain and what's going on has helped
0: her. Is there something about the cycling that um, and being together and not necessarily talking but sometimes talking that means Peter feels more comfortable to open up to you?
3: I think so and I think also being out triggers off memories which then trigger off other things as well so I think there's something in that you know helmet sunglasses puffing and panting a couple of meters behind him I'm there but I'm not there. I think it was a good idea to, to head for Wiccan Market because of the loo.
2: What, the station? The station. That's a very good Well, yeah, idea. That, that's the best place to go to the loo in Wiccan yeah. Market. Yes, best place. Uh, uh, good, good idea. But not that you remember saying that to me. Uh, did I say that? I don't remember <laughs> that
3: idea, now. You did say that. Do you remember...
2: This is one of the key things, you see. I say these things and don't remember. But you now know, and starting to know a little bit about dementia, so you know that I have forgotten that. Does that make sense? It yes, makes it sense, and... Uh, <laughs>
3: But, but you still wing it to most people. Yes. And you wing it really well. I guess. <laughs> But you can't wing it with me. No, 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 no. I guess that has been my ambition in life. I've had two ambitions. One is for Arsenal to win the Champions League and that's not going to happen and I can't make that happen. And the other was to be a writer. And that was something I did have control over. And when I started to listen to Peter talking and realised what an enigmatic... Forceful character he was. I thought, this story has to be captured. And he has said to me that he was scared he was going to forget things that he had done and who he was. So it felt like a good opportunity to fulfil my ambition and to help him. The thing about Peter, if you say, shall we? He would go, yep. So he was well up for it. But we didn't know what shape the book would take. I didn't didn't think a biography would be of huge interest. And then it came to me that maybe just the first year of our friendship, so much had happened. That's how I would write the book and intersperse it with elements about Peter's memories and Peter's descriptions of dementia. I think the process of writing Peter's book was I'd done a lot of blogging on his um, Facebook page and the things I'd already written and the things I wanted to write and I just sort of married the two up and tried to put it in chronological order. So a lot of what I'd put in the book I had kind of already written but I, I tweaked a bit for the book then it just did evolve. I think it's true what people say. It takes on a life of its own and it just took me in a direction. And it was a story you wanted to tell. Yeah, definitely a story I wanted to to, to tell. Um, It's Peter's dementia through my eyes and how Peter's dementia has changed my perception of life. But I feel so deeply it's a story that needs to be told, not just for Peter, but for other people living with the condition.
1: I haven't actually read it and I think... The bizarre thing is I will never get to read it because I I can read to a point but I can't absorb the information. So if I start to read something in one of my cycling magazines, by the time I've got down about four lines, I've forgotten what was above that. So I know the book's about me and I know it's through her eyes but the actual contents I don't know and I shall never know. Even if I buy it, I shall never be able to to read it, and I think it's very strange for her to know that that's the case, that everybody will read it who buys it, and the only person who won't read it is about the very person that's about. So it's quite a bizarre concept, really.
0: How does that make you feel?
1: Um, I think it, in a strange way, it makes it feel as though it's about somebody else and not me. Um, I think it saddens me a little bit as well, but then it also helps me to know that whatever is in that book might help somebody else so let's just say that i don't know eight thousand people read it and it saved one person from doing something silly thinking well this guy is just an ordinary guy and he did it so i can then then it's it, it it's a great thing but it's just there as, as as a legacy as well it's just something you know rather than yeah it, it's just something set in stone something that's there forever
0: When you first started going out cycling with Peter, how did you organise it?
3: I have absolutely no sense of direction and I can't read a map and I can't do anything mechanical in a bike. So I really as a really good basis for going out with somebody with dementia and I just left Peter to organise it. He would say we would go from A to B and I would remind him sort of periodically throughout the morning before we met, we are meeting at this time And this is what we're doing. So he would organise where we were going. We wouldn't always get there, but that didn't really matter. He has a good enough long-term memory to know all the country roads around here. And I would just be the one saying, I will see you at such and such a time. And I would be the one reminding him to drink and eat because he would forget to do that. But everything else, it was down to Peter. Which I think is really good because it's another stereotype blown out of the window that I have to look after him. He looked after me.
0: So he does all the repairs on the bikes as well. Absolutely. I, I have tried, he has
3: tried to teach me and I know my limitations and I can't I can't do stuff. So he, he washes my bike for me sometimes and cleans the chain and if I have a flat tire they'll pump it up, um, adjust my handlebars. Yeah. He does everything and he can still do that really, really well.
2: Yeah, always. Justice ah. this and adjust this out for you. Thank you. And you're saying ah, and you've got absolutely no idea what <laughs> well, I'm doing word, at all. The word adjusted it uh, to me. Uh, yes.
0: <laughs> oh, I
2: didn't know I could do that. Well, why would I? Well, exactly. Why indeed. <laughs> that looks a bit, um, yeah, you look a bit all on the skewbosh. You need, um... Oh, yeah. And, and who would want to be on the skewbosh? Well, exactly. Oh, I've had a lot of practice at being skewboshed. Mm, you're not very level. <laughs> Because you have had a broken shoulder. I have. I was wondering when you were going to bring it up. <laughs> but you don't hear right. me
3: moaning about
0: it. Oh, wow. and you've had your own injury to deal with, haven't you? Because you had an accident that affected your shoulder at one point. It still does. And I came off my bike a couple of years well,
3: almost two years ago, and I broke my shoulder. And it's sort of sticking through my... The bone is sticking through here. It never it never united. And I do have backache and I do have neck ache, but I don't have dementia. So I think I'm... Very fortunate that I can still cycle with a broken shoulder and remember what I do. But it it has become a running joke, really, between Peter and me. And, and most of the people around here know my shoulder. And I think, as I said in the book, that helped me focus a bit on my injury. I kept showing people, look, I've got a broken shoulder. And in the same way, Peter was hiding, trying to hide his dementia. And it, it's another thing I had to think about. My shoulder is, is almost laughable and a conversation piece. Peter's dementia is not.
0: Tell me about the challenges you've done with Peter.
3: The penny farthing challenge was bonkers, really. He wanted to cycle five counties of, of this area, which is fine, but he just thought doing it on a penny farthing would, would make it that much more notable and, and raise awareness a lot more. He couldn't really organise it at that point, um, so a few people and I. To be honest, not that I organise it, because I think I've made it quite clear I'm not very good at organising things, but the other people who were doing it with us um, organised it. And Peter got on his penny farthing, and uh, over the course of six days we cycled from Suffolk to Cambridgeshire, Lincolnshire, Norfolk and back to Suffolk. We popped into Essex briefly and he raised, how much, We raised about £12,000, which is an amazing amount for young dementia in the UK. And... To be honest, cycling 50 miles in a day on a road bike at a leisurely pace isn't very hard. Cycling it on a penny farthing, which doesn't have any gears or any brakes, I think is incredibly difficult. If he doesn't know the road ahead, he has to, to make a decision. If it looks like a big hill, do not go down it because I don't know if there's a junction at the end. If there's a big hill up, he has to decide, can I make it up this hill because I can't stop halfway? Somebody in our group, a guy called Mark, used to go ahead at roundabouts to tell Peter if it was clear. He has to use a judgement, so he's really, really working hard in his brain to, to anticipate and think ahead, because the only way off is to fall off if you can't stop. And he did it, and he doesn't really remember doing it, but I know at the time he loved it. What was the support like along the way? It was amazing. Peter's got quite a big Facebook following. so. Not all are local, but quite a few are local, so we advertised where we hoped to be at a certain time, where we were going to have our lunch breaks, um, if people wanted to join us or, or pop over and see us, and a couple of people did, which I found incredibly moving. And just as we cycled through the streets, Peter and his penny farthing and us kind of behind him, lots of interest, lots of support, people donated money en route. So that, that was a really good thing that happened, and... I don't think many people living with dementia would get on a penny farthing and ride nearly 300 miles. His determination is quite incredible. It has shifted my perspective. I know you've read the book, but I think, and I hope that comes across, that my own way of looking at life changed when I met Peter and, and got to know him. I don't have that determination. I moan and whinge about life, and I don't really have any reason to. He has an amazing drive and determination.
0: What things have you changed about your own life since you've known him? I think many people who live with dementia live for the moment,
3: and I think that's a really important thing to try to do. I don't do it particularly well still, but I try to reflect more about don't worry about what's happening tomorrow, or take this moment and enjoy it for what it is, and be thankful for it. And I try to do that, and it's really hard, but he has helped me to do that. Almost live each day as if it was your last. That's not what Peter said, but that's sometimes what it feels like, because you don't know what the next day is going to bring. And I've changed my perspective on the petty thing that used to annoy me because actually they don't really matter. Being alive and being well, or as well as you can be, is the important thing. It doesn't matter if Arsenal lose a match. Well, it does, but it doesn't matter as much as it used to matter. That's, that's not what life is about. Life is about living it for the moment, and that's what Peter's taught me, and enjoying it. And when, if you look at his face when you go out cycling with him, if you can keep up with him, He is invariably smiling, even yesterday in a horrendous headwind. He loved it because he loves to feel the wind or feel the rain or feel the sunshine. He can't smell anything, so he can't smell the countryside, but he can feel it. And he just lives at that moment. And You need to see it to appreciate what that means to him.
0: You've been listening to Discovering Dementia. Thank you to Deb Bunt and Peter Berry. Their book, Slow Puncture, published by the Book Guild, is available in all good bookshops and you can find it on Amazon too. If you want to know more about Peter, his Facebook page is called Peter Berry Living with Alzheimer's and you'll find a link to his website and social media from there. Discovering Dementia was produced and presented by Penny Bell with original music by Leila Mituali.